This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, we are going to do a preview of the Azerbaijan and then Hungary game for you. A little chat on the women's game and uh, the big breaking news of the day, which is that Neil Warnock has left Cardiff City. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Hello. Where is today's location? I'm actually still in Silver Falls. This is where we will be volunteering for a few months. So next few podcasts will be coming from here. Uh, Ruth has her own interesting blog about uh, travels around Wales. If you if you're interested in no, learning I'm more, I'm not travelling in Wales, Dave. What did I say about interesting travels in Wales? Oh no, she. Strangely that's, enough, that's, that's not where I am. <laughs> <laughs> One minute in, and we've messed it up. Get in. Um, Ruth doesn't have a blog about travelling around Wales. She does have a blog about travelling around America. Do you want to give yourself a plug, Ruth? I suppose we could. If anyone wants to look it up, it's called wheretheirtravels.com uh, go and have a look mostly a, a photo essay to be honest but I'm having fun keeping that up to date there you go there's a little bit of um, a bit of bonus content for you there <laughs> listeners um, I also think it's important that we say hello to Danny Gabadon who uh, announced himself as our <laughs> biggest fan uh, this week uh, if you listen to the Edge 4 podcast uh, where we got a little shout out I've got to just say this because it amused me at the time. I was running around the pond near where I live, and as I was listening to the Edge Foff podcast, and the he said, "Oh, we've got a we've got a question in here," and I was thinking, "Oh, you know, I wonder what's going to be next." She's like, "Oh, from Ruth and I on the Coleman, a very good podcast, the Coleman had a dream podcast," and I started pissing myself laughing basically as I was running around the pond. And I think people must have thought I was having some sort of mental breakdown because I started laughing and going like, oh, that's brilliant, oh, that's amazing to myself. And then I, of course, called Ruth to confirm that this had happened and start the celebrations. And again, people must have thought I was having this very loud, excitable conversation with myself as I was running around the pond. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that little uh, moment in the sun for us. Yeah, that was wonderful. And I would imagine you fitted in perfectly with the, the usual runners around Jamaica Pond. <laughs> Very true. Um, for people who haven't listened to this podcast before, uh, popular favourites uh, around the Jamaica Pond uh, include a man who walks around with a parrot on his head, just to give you some sort of ballpark idea of the people that uh, live where I live. Anyway, uh, an exceptionally long introduction. We are almost three minutes in and we haven't talked about football <laughs> once, uh, which sounds about right. So let's get going. Uh, the The squad was announced, I think, last Tuesday. Uh, looking at the names on there, ultimately, no real surprises, I think is fair to say. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, I think um, Dallon Levitt's inclusion might be the closest there was to a surprise on the, the names on that list. Um, Tom King being dropped in later, perhaps not a surprise, uh, but, you know, good to see, I think, someone with some game time getting into that goalkeeping group. Um, talking about Edgefoff, of course, your question came up about whether Bradshaw should have been included, and I'm, I'm sure we'll want to chat on that a little bit. But yeah. otherwise, I don't think there were surprises in that squad as such because there's so many people that are injured at the minute that it's like we were saying last time around that the squad 
kind of is picking itself at the minute because there's very few actual choices to make. Yeah, I think so. I think I had a bit of a joke with someone that I was hard, you know, half expecting to have to pop on the flight to Baku myself and get, you know, get the boots out. But I think you're right. There's no real surprise. I think the one is Levitt. Although I'm not sure how much of a surprise that is, relatively speaking, considering the the midfield situation we have, especially for the Azerbaijan game. Um, why do you think he's in there? Because part of me thinks he's in there just for a bit of experience and he won't actually make the match day squad. But I also noticed that Giggs went to watch uh, Man United train. I think it was at the end, toward the end of last week. Now, I can't think, I mean, I know we've, we've talked before about Giggs' obvious love for, for Man United, but I don't think he would have gone there just for fun. He certainly wouldn't have gone there to, to watch Dan James train. He knows what he's capable of. So I'm kind of, I drew myself to the conclusion that maybe he went to look at Levitt to see if he was actually capable of contributing to the game in that kind of playmaker role, should Aaron Ramsey not be fit? I mean, I can see the sense in that. Um, having lost Johnny Williams, we've we've lost what would presumably have been the natural understudy to, to Ramsey. And I don't think it hurts to have someone um, that you can picture contributing in that way. Uh, and his natural game might be the closest fit for that. Levitt's natural game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I can. it made me think of um, Ben Woodburn a little bit. In those two games we had at the end of the campaign uh, last time round against Moldova, for example, where he came on and absolutely changed that game, got an assist for Hal Robson-Karnu and... It made me think of that where there's, and obviously he got that wonder goal against Austria as well. There's a part of me that thinks maybe Giggs is looking at Levitt as kind of the wild card if we if we need to change a game or we need a goal. Someone that no one else knows much about. Um, someone who will probably play without much fear given, you know, their age and, you know, what they're obviously capable of, the style of football they play to open up a defence. So I could kind of see, could could kind of see that coming in but um it's an interesting one and i think there's no question he's he's a player for the future um and let's be brutally honest no disrespect dylan but if you're listening but uh i sort of hope we don't see you i, I much prefer to see aaron ramsey instead um the only slight uh, thing i the only my kind of extra thoughts about the squad I, I i maintain that i said before that i don't think tom lawrence should be in there and i and i and i maintain that stance at the moment, although with that said, I guess beggars can't be choosers. I think he scored two goals uh, last weekend. Um, the other one I was a bit surprised that just because of the situation, just to give us an option, was Andy King. I can see how for this particular squad that is denuded in midfield, particularly defensive midfield, that his experience might well have been a handy asset. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, and when I when you look at the squad. There's seven midfielders in the squad, one of which has never played for Wales before. Uh, a collection of people who don't have any caps, uh, who don't really have any minutes this season, sorry, or very few. A guy who's playing in League One and a man who can't play in the first game. Um, it was and, and Aaron Ramsey who hasn't played for Wales since you know, through no fault of his own, 1974. So we're, we're kind of in this weird situation, which made me surprised that he hasn't played. And I looks like, oh, he's only played 70 minutes of football this season, pretty much. But, I mean, 
I don't think Volks has played much after the first couple of games for Cardiff. He obviously wasn't involved in the, on the weekend. Um, Ampadu's making 10-minute cameos here, there and everywhere. Smith hasn't played for properly. I don't think he's actually been in many squads of late. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Livid, uh, Levitt hasn't made his professional debut yet, I don't think either. So just for the experience element, of it, I think it would have been interesting or sensible even for him to have made the squad. Yeah, I think despite... Giggs saying publicly that, you know, playing and playing well is one of his criteria. We're at a point where you you can't actually physically have that as a criteria for our team because there's so few players in relative terms that are getting anything like 90 minutes a game with their teams, with their club teams, which is just not happening. So I think if your excuse is King isn't playing much, then that probably applies to three-quarters of the team, the yeah. three-quarters of that squad. Something you mentioned in the build-up to that as well there was uh, about Bradshaw. Would would you have picked him? Equally, are you surprised he's not in there? He scored seven goals in all competitions this season. Exactly what we were just discussing, how little playing time people seem to be getting. But it's the same in, those, in the forwards in that list. Uh, it just seems really strange to have someone who's consistently playing in the championship is scoring and doesn't make that squad I just I just can't understand the reasoning on that relative to who is in the squad I think it's an interesting one isn't it because he's not really fancied him uh, throughout uh, and he's obviously not really been informed up until recently um, I said at the time when we kind of had this conversation someone asked this uh, on Twitter a while ago and I said I don't think Giggs would I just don't think he fancies him. And I said, I think I probably would have just to have a look at him, even if he didn't actually make the 23-man squad that played the game. I think it's worth getting him in. Um, I think my reservation about him, and I, I, I feel Giggs might be the same, is pace. And I know Giggs prefers a fast player and someone's kind of busy who can get around a lot. And he is more of a finisher. And whilst that is obviously a good asset to have, I don't think he necessarily would fit in the style of system that we have. And I think perhaps, and looking at it from Giggs' perspective, I can fully, I, I can perhaps see why he's done that for that reason. With that said, I also don't think there would have been anything wrong with, you know, if we needed a goal in a game, he's the sort of player maybe, given the form he's in at the minute, you just want sniffing around and it doesn't matter what you can do tactically and and all this other stuff, maybe it's just worth having him there or thereabouts if, if, if you need a goal. Because if you look through that list of players we've got, um, I know everyone's got a couple of goals between them here and there, but no one has been prolific uh, uh, along that forward line this season. So, and not that I would call seven goals so far prolific either particularly, but it's a damn sight more prolific than anyone else. So, I don't know. I, I think it would have been worthwhile getting him in the squad um, just to have a look, but... Yeah, I can see the purpose of having someone that's a contrasting player to more to bring on for the last 10 to 15 minutes as you need it. I think at the minute, Matondo or Tom Lawrence might be the closest we have to an alternative there. Um, Lawrence has scored five goals across the season. You know, but there's, there's reasons to not play him, obviously, more broadly. Um, but I think that perhaps, as you say, Giggs is is seeing those two in particular as offering something similar to Bradshaw. But Bradshaw just just seems in in better form. Why wouldn't you want him as part of the squad 
The alternative as well is Tyler Roberts, who's obviously is in the squad, but mm-hmm. he hasn't scored many, but he's, if any, in fact, this season, but he is in good form. He's playing well for Leeds after recovering from his injury. Played a full 90 minutes on the weekend, which is something you can't say for lots and lots of our players. So maybe, again, he is the alternative. He's too, He's a similar player to Bradshaw, but Giggs just prefers him. He's, again, I, I'm just thinking of alternatives, really. But mm-hmm. um, The final one, we saw Tom King got a call-up, as you mentioned earlier as well. I have... We have been saying that if anyone is deserving of a call-up at the minute, it's Owen Vaughan. Um, I think I, I would stick with my, my opinion there. I know King has been playing well for Newport uh, this season. A lot of stuff was made on Twitter, and I don't know if you saw this, about his thing with England. He said during the World Cup, if you think that 5-0 against Panama at half-time means England are guaranteed the World Cup, you're absolutely right. It's coming home. <laughs> um, a lot of being made of that and I mean at the time I, whether, I don't know whether Wales was on his radar uh, at the time mm-hmm. um, one would assume not given he's tweeted that but I, I think he's got a lot of stick on it. and don't get me wrong I would rather Iron Von played for a variety of reasons him actually being Welsh is, you know, is, a, is a good one as well but I don't think there's much wrong with that the bloke's just supporting his country and you know if he was a Wales player at the time and then said that then sure that's a different thing but I, I feel like there's a bit of a fuss of fuss of nothing made of that. I don't know. I don't know about you. I hadn't read that, so um, I can understand how people don't want to see someone in the squad who has tweeted and publicly said something like that. But equally, I don't think there is anything wrong, particularly in our complicated world of having multiple loyalties either you know there are lots of players in our squad who are multi-qualified and you can't expect someone who, who at that point hasn't particularly had a connection with the Welsh international team why would he not just be shouting for all of the places he feels a connection to Exactly, and who knows that if Wales had made the World Cup, he would have been, you know, saying something similar uh, about them as well. I mean, he probably wouldn't, but I, I do think, regardless, it's a, it's a sort of a fuss about nothing, um, and I'm just not really sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a non-story for me, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've have, we have had and have players who have put on an England shirt at various age levels, true, and are now representing us and we stand behind them so I just think it's a bit hypocritical really. No, I, I'm in total agreement with you Ampadu, Brooks uh, just two names that spring to mind there um, so let's get down to the nitty gritty um, and make, and, make uh, and have a little talk about who we think is going to start each game um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you have put your teams together but I've got I've gone on the basis of what I think I would like to see Right. Rather than what I think gig, what I think sorry gigs will do. I, I'm happy to share what I think gigs will do as well. It's not you know, I can't imagine he's listening, thinking oh bloody hell, that's a good idea. But um, I that's my my, that's my, my reasoning. My reasoning is closer to what I think gigs will do. Well, this or frankly, a, or frankly, not do might be the better way of expressing it. Oh, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> in that case, you go first. Well, I. I feel that in the last window, we didn't really pick a team based on the opposition. We picked a team based on 
not losing in Slovakia. And then because it kind of went okay, we basically put out the same arrangement for the Croatia game. Right. And so I don't particularly foresee gigs doing anything terribly different this time because he's kind of stumbled across something which is kind of sort of working, did kind of sort of work against two of the teams in the group. And I think he might just play safe and basically go with the same arrangement against the other two teams in the group. Of course, we've got force changes. Um, one of which Johnny Williams probably being replaced by Ramsey may well have happened given yeah, Ramsey's now back playing and even if Williams wasn't injured and oh God, don't you feel for him? Yeah, Poor lad, it's just one thing after another. Um, so actually there's probably only two changes I think that are kind of have been foisted on gigs. Obviously missing Allen due to the suspension and missing Roden due to the injury. Um, we'll come back to kind of bail status, I think, in a minute. But because you've got to make those two changes, I think that's all he may do. I think that's all he may adjust from the last starting 11 is the re a replacement for Allen and a replacement for Roden. I would go for Ash at the back because I just think we need, we need some, like, nounce back there we need some meat uh we need a little bit of experience particularly as i would i think gigs will stick with the four at the back because it's a game we need to win really um so i i think he'll pair williams and lockyer back there so let's to be clear though that's uh even though mepham's in the squad um, yeah. But he obviously hasn't played since his injury. You think he'll go with Lockyer instead? I I think so, because it's one less change from what happened last time. And other than not very great for five to ten minutes, Lockyer played pretty well, actually, um, coming in there. So my back four would be Roberts, Williams, Lockyer, Davies. And I think Giggs will stick with the back four. I can see... The temptation to go with five, but given it's a game, given we need the six points from these two games, I think he's gonna he's gonna look to not change too much. I also think on that as well. I, I think I, for what it's worth, I totally agree with you in the back four, and I would do the same. Um, it's just this kind of weird conundrum in a way, isn't it? That you're right, we have to win, but Azerbaijan have scored a goal in every game they've played bar mm -hmm. one, I think. So they're no mugs. And whilst they've only got one point, they have caused a lot of team a lot of problems. So I, equally, I don't think it's a weird one because if we overcommit, commit, as we found out to our detriment, they, they're capable of, 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 of buggering things up for us for want of a better expression. So I think you're right, especially with the Ash decision. I think he's playing well for Bristol City. And I watched him play against Cardiff on the weekend and I thought he played well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he's capable of, of doing a good job there. Sorry, I, I've, I've jumped in. No, no, I, I mean, basically agree. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Giggs puts Mepham in because he seems to have overlooked Ash, particularly in these, in these autumn games, he's overlooked him at every turn. 
game in June out in Hungary, he was probably amongst our better players in a pretty disappointing 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so despite despite that, he's then been subsequently overlooked by Giggs. So maybe Giggs does feel Mepham is his man and, and he puts him in with Lockyer. Um, my concern there would just be the, the lack of playing time that Mepham has had. But as we were saying a few minutes ago, that doesn't actually be, seem to be a criteria we can really apply. No, I think you're right. Um, and Lockie is playing well from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ash's experience, I think, in this circumstance is absolutely invaluable. So to me, it's a no-brainer. And, I, and the reality is, if we're honest, I, don't, I think you're right that he probably does see Mepham as his man long-term. But in an instance like this, you know, it's a big ask to throw someone back into that. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a long term at the minute, is there? There's a a three-day term to this, and it's got to work. Yeah, we are very much death or glory at this stage, aren't we? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay, so I'm going like you're saying about the the, the shape of of the team being the same. Mm -hmm. Who's the two in midfield? I assume Ampadu and one other. Yeah, I would put Morel in there because I think Alan and Ampadu's style of play seems to complement each other quite well. And Morel uh, has a very similar style of play to Alan. He doesn't, he doesn't um, thread the ball quite as well, but I think his basic kind of play reading and coverage and that sort of thing, they're very similar in that regard. Um, My concern with Ampadu would, would, would be the playing time um, he is, um, he's at the minute, I think played about 80, I think it's about 40 minutes is the most he's played in any particular game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, um, so we can almost certainly need to make a change for him at say the 60 minute mark for our argument's sake. Uh, and I think at that point I'd be probably hoping that we've you know got our uh, got our handle on the game have I'm not saying that we'll be you know four nil up or anything but a, a, you know a, a kind of not chasing our tails and can perhaps move Ramsey back a little bit to pair morale for the last 20 to 30 minutes of the game oh god um <laughs> I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think Ampadu is, personally, I think is fit enough now, um, match fit. And I, I agree he's not got much playing time. But let's not forget, he hadn't had any playing time for anyone when he was spraying balls around like, you know, PLO in that game against <laughs> Ireland, um, which seems like 30 years ago. But it, so to me, I think he's a natural... He's a naturally gifted athlete. I think he's so talented. He's got such good feet. He's got such a good range of passing. And I think if we need to squeeze 90 minutes out of him, if the circumstance dictates that, I think he's more than capable of doing it. Um, I also wouldn't want to pull Ramsey back into that role against a team like Azerbaijan because I think it does them a favour. I also don't think that Morel is a good enough footballer. Um with the ball at his feet. And I think Joe Allen, he's great at the shuttling around and breaking up play and he's got a hell of an engine on him. But I, he, I think what he does in terms of passing the ball and his movement 
with the ball, I think he's very underrated. And I think he, we need someone else who can do that. And I don't think Morel can. I think if we're just letting Ampadu dictate things there, I think, I think we could be in trouble. So personally, I would do what happened for Derby a little bit last season. And I would pull Wilson into centre midfield and play mm-hmm. him alongside Ampadu. I think Wilson has played well this year, although has drifted in and out of games. Um, I don't know if you saw, Ruth, but I tweeted, I hope Wilson has a bad day and doesn't score on the weekend. And of course, within 12 minutes <laughs> yes. or whatever, he'd put it in the back of the net. Um, he lost, so joke's on him. Anyway, um, um, I he did drift out with the game and that I've seen him do that one or t- two times this year. But I think that's what happens when you're a wide player in a team who play on the break. So I don't, I think that's a systematic issue rather than uh, an ability issue for him. So I'm not too concerned about that. And I think we need someone who can break the game up with the passing and move things around and offer, you know, a bit of dynamism because he's a fast lad. He's a, he's a fit lad. And I think to me, he has to start there for me over over Morel. Also, let's not, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to Azerbaijan and they played well against us uh, in Cardiff, but we're not playing Croatia here. We are playing Azerbaijan and I think Wilson has got more than enough ability to manage manage that game and also in doing so be able to show us what he's capable of. And also, it looks like Ramsey is going to be fit. Ramsey is more than capable as well as dropping into that three to make it a three when we haven't got the ball. Um, and I think, personally, that's the way we've got to go. I agree with what you were saying about Ramsey dropping back. but So that's like perhaps why I'm a little less worried about Morel being there. Um, in my kind of envisaged 11, I've actually, on the the right-hand side got Bale slash Wilson because I'm worried about Bale's fitness. So I think I'm actually picturing Wilson probably ending up on that wing. Um, And hence, perhaps that's why I'm leaning more towards Morel being in the centre. No, I understand that. Um, Just on Gareth Bale, I did see today um, a a thread of tweets by, I think, an angry Real Madrid fan, which is wonderful, uh, <laughs> about basically what, what he has or hasn't done since he last played for Wales in terms of uh, his contributions. And this Real Madrid fan was absolutely seething that Gareth Bale has turned up and, and trained absolutely fine, no problems with the first team today. So I am confident that Bale will be fit enough. Um, I think there's an issue about whether he wants to start him given mm-hmm. he is on a yellow card and we obviously have the hungry game coming straight up. So I think it's an interesting one. In my lineup, I have gone for Bale on the right, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Giggs bench him in the hope that we can, we've got enough elsewhere to win the game and that he, if he needs to come off the bench to get us a goal, we can, but then the yellow card thing doesn't come into play for the last game. Um, is my is what I can see Giggs doing but I would start him because I, I just think if we don't win the first game it doesn't matter whether he misses the second game or not we've got to win that one first so um, and if not I could see Giggs putting Lawrence on that right hand side uh, over Wilson personally but mm-hmm. um, yeah I would go Bale, Ramsey, James as the three then behind Moore obviously up front yeah that's what I'd do with 
Wilson as my, you know, potential bail sub, as it were, uh, depending on his fitness. I can see an argument in him not playing just because of him sitting on the two yellow cards. Um, and if it was a straight choice, I'd rather have him in the Hungary game than the Azerbaijan game. Um, I think in some respects, Ramsey's level of fitness and whether you think you can get 90 minutes out of him might come into the thinking then. You know, maybe maybe you're, you're almost expecting to get a half off each of them in a, yeah. a strange kind of, you know, way of a strange friendly um, to, to bring some experience to, the, to that front four. Uh, and almost share it out, perhaps. I, I think there's a lot of variables around what, on the face of it, looks like it, a fairly obvious selection of yeah. Bale, Ramsey in the middle, and James on the left. Uh, but given their respective conditions, um, I, th- I think there could be quite a lot of variance into what we actually see in Saturday's game. Um, I think I think you're right, and it's a fascinating set up in a, in a sense given what options we have or and the injury issues um i personally think ramsey again is fit enough and he's been contributing fairly regularly for mm-hmm. juventus in the last few weeks i think he started once uh, as well as appeared off the bench although he didn't play on the weekend i think i still think he's going to play full uh, assuming nothing changes fitness wise i think he will still start and play both games um looking at the opposition Azerbaijan, uh, it's a weird one. I've written in my notes here that, you know, they're certainly not whipping boys, yet you look (laughs) at the table and they've only got one point. Um, But they haven't got anything to play for. Admittedly, this is one of their last games, but they haven't got anything to play for. Um, It's their last home game, so maybe that would kind of rile them up a bit. Um, They are obviously, as we saw, quite a physical side quite direct and happy to play on the break. Um, they have only got three goal scorers um, through their campaign, which I think is quite interesting. Um, both of the, the lads who play up front. I, but I do think it's fascinating that they have scored only one fewer goals than us. Um, so I, I do think they are a threat. And especially at home, if they get an early goal or something like that, I can... Or at least kind of a hanging on to something. I can really see that us seeing that being an issue for us. Um, they're a fairly rough team. They haven't got any suspensions for this, they're, despite them having 17 yellow cards across the six games so far. Um, I think as long as we stop them breaking effectively, as long as we don't turn the ball over in daft areas of the pitch, I don't think they'll be much of a threat. So this is just about us, I think, being able to get an early goal and kind of take control of the game. I don't disagree with what you're saying. And, you know, if they can hold Croatia to 1-1 at home. But I think that might say as much about Croatia as it does about Azerbaijan. Um, you know, Hungary put three past them in Baku as, and Slovakia put five. So they've been scored against uh, despite, uh, despite that good draw against Croatia. So... We, we should be eminently able to win this game. Um, we've just got to do it. I agree. I mean, they've conceded, they've scored, they've conceded sorry, more than twice the amount of goals we have. Mm-hmm. So they are, you know, gettable, obviously. I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the worst team in the, in the group in that sense. Um, I think, you know, I think not conceding, an obvious thing to say is important. I think 
if we can get the first goal and get an early-ish goal, I think that is obviously going to settle the nerves. The one thing I would like is if we do get an early goal, this I think the way to win this game is to keep going, is to keep pushing. I don't think that um, kind of hanging on to the, to a game or sitting back and kind of soaking up the pressure is particularly our strong point anymore. I mean, we, we, we still are solid defensively, but we still are making mistakes. So I don't think that's the way to go. I think if we do get an early goal, we need to kind of capitalise. Um, and I do think if we kind of sit back without Joe Allen playing, we, we might get punished, which is a worry. But um, I, uh, I'm i I'm scared, if I'm honest with you. Yep. So I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, to, to look at the Hungary game, would you, you know, assuming... Oh God, that we win. Um, would you stick with the same formation and team for Hungary? Assuming we've won, yes. Okay. Bring Alan back in and that would probably be about it, potentially. Uh, injuries notwithstanding. I think at that point, if we've you know drawn the last two games, won that one away in Azerbaijan, got one game to go, I can't see there being uh, a, f- a framework in which Giggs wants to do something else. I think in that sense, he'll have found something that is, in inverted commas, working and will and we'll stick with it. Um, I don't think there's been, as I said earlier on, I don't think there's been a lot of kind of joined up thinking in terms of picking teams with the opposition in mind. I think it's more about being we've kind of landed on something that vaguely is working. I think this will be slogged out. I disagree. I'm not saying that's what I would want to see happen. I think that's what would happen. What would you like to see? What would you like to see? Changes for the Hungry game. Yeah. Um, I would probably bring in Roberts or Matondo to give us some extra pace against a fairly sort of stagnant in inverted commas defense they've actually after Azerbaijan they've let in the most goals of any of the other teams even though they're sitting in second currently yeah um so and they've got a negative goal difference as well so um I think having the extra pace not that we're slow, but I think having that extra pace up front in a, a different style forward that more provides, though he's, he's a far from static player. Um, yeah. I think that's the change I'd make for that particular game. That's an interesting one. I, I quite like that, actually. Matondo especially. I, I watched him play, mm-hmm. oh God, I think it was against Dortmund for Schalke and he was electric, but he had three one-on-ones in the game, basically, and missed them all. Um, so whilst he is still a good player, he's still very raw. Um, but I think his pace would certainly frighten people. Mm-hmm. Um, out of interest, we have had a tweet from Dan Roberts at Dan Roberts Eleven on Twitter. Um, if you could choose only one of the two, who would you rather have play against Azerbaijan, Bale or Ramsey? Ramsey. In that game, Ramsey, because I think our midfield is so. I think it's so light anyway. And if we're missing Allen, I'd want Ramsey in the middle of that hold, you know, being the point of that trio. And I think 
that ironically we have options on the right wing that could substitute for Bale if it came to it. So yeah, yeah. I'd have Ramsey in that game, interestingly. Um I would I'd go for Bale. Purely because I think he's the only player we have and not that Ramsey's not great, but I think he's the only player we have who can grab a goal and just get something out of nothing. Like that Cyprus game, for example, in the build-up mm-hmm. to 2016. Uh, and the Andorra game, I mean, countless times in that campaign. But I think he's the only player we have who can get, like, at a point, just think, right, lads, I'm having this. Um, so that's what I would do. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for the question, Dan. Um I, also, I hope we don't. Can we? Can we not come to that? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't get have that one. <laughs> don't, don't don't get me wrong. We do not want that. Hopefully, both will play. Um, I have also had uh, a great tweet from Saul Ellis Robertson, um, who is leading me on to the next thing I wanted to say. He said, "Would you play three or four at the back against Azerbaijan or Hungary?" Azerbaijan have scored at every game. Uh, at home in qualifying, so that if uh, without being them without Rodden, and, and I'm additionally adding uh, Mepham not being match fit potentially, um, would you play through at the four at the back? We've already answered that question in relation to the Azerbaijan game, just because again, I feel it's a game we have to win. I think if we worry too much about the defense, then it, I don't think it matters, which is maybe a bit simplistic. But um, I would, however, play three slash five at the back against Hungary. And I will tell you for why. Um, I think they are a much more underrated team than uh, they are kind of given credit for uh, in this cycle so far. First and foremost, they've only got two points fewer than Croatia. And whilst they didn't exactly look magic when we played them, they still beat us and kept a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. They beat Croatia. They scored three in Baku. They obviously beat us, and okay, they went on a bit of a bad run then, losing to Croatia and Slovakia. But I think they are quite a dangerous team, and they ground out a 1-0 win against Azerbaijan when they needed it in the last game. I think if we go into this, I've read a lot of things on Twitter, and up until about three or four days ago, I thought the same. If we beat Azerbaijan away will there like you know start booking your tickets but the more research i've done preparing for this um the more that hungary are absolutely terrifying me and i don't like i don't know push cast is going to come back from the dead and play or whatever but um I, I think you know they've only lost twice i think um or maybe they've lost three actually no, i've said that no they have lost three they've lost three one four lost three yeah um but they are a dangerous team. Um, the big bonus is that they don't score many. They've only scored eight. And then I did my research on that and realized that's two more than us. Um, but I, I think we have got to make sure we stay in that game. And I think as sort of similar to the performance in Hungary, the second we conceded, I was like, oh, crap, this is all over. And I worry that we would have the same kind of mindset there. Because let's not forget... To all intents and purposes, if they want to qualify, they need to win as well. Assuming Slovakia go and win on the last game, if Hungary draw with us, for argument's sake, they'll both be on 13 points and 
Slovakia would go through on head-to-head. So they have to beat us. So, you know, whilst they're not, you know, a Brazil's team, they're, they're still a strong team in this group who've been in good form. And I think if we open ourselves up too much for them, we are, we could find ourselves on the back of quite a, an embarrassing result, I think. So I would go for five at the back. And again, I think it gives us variety. Now, whether Giggs is capable of setting them up for this is a different question. But I personally would have Roberts, Ash, Ben Davis, and Lockyer, and Taylor. So Roberts, mm-hmm. and, Ash, uh, Roberts and Taylor, obviously the wingbacks. Ampadu and Allen holding with Ramsey joining them uh, when we haven't got the ball and filling his boots when we have, and then Bale kind of playing off more in a, in a free roll type thing. The thing I like about that as well is if we need to, we can bring off the wingbacks and put on wingers if we need mm-hmm. to kind of push on and chase the game in the shape of Matondo, or as I said, I wouldn't do it, but Giggs might in terms of Lawrence. Wilson can obviously do things for mm-hmm. us there, and Dan James. And now I know people are going to say Dan James has got to play, but I, I personally don't think we can just accommodate players these days. And I also really think that down that the side that he has kind of occupied in in the past that we've looked kind of shaky. So I, I, I'm not sure defensively he can do a job for us from the outset there, which I know is quite negative. But I would hate for us to go into this game kind of all cocksure and ready ready to smash him whatever and and we concede an early goal and that might well be it for us given how few goals we've scored in this campaign so I think I would start quite defensive in the second game grow into the game and hope that we keep it all square and then can kind of go at them later in the game hopefully to kind of chase it and get, get a winner if we haven't already got a goal okay no I can I can see the argument um we don't start games well. We've got to find a, a way to be tighter and more in the game for the first 15 minutes of games. We're frequently chasing from behind or at least not on level, you know, not um, kind of active in the game for the first 15, 20 minutes. So I think that is something we're guilty of. We've got to look at how we can do that better. The Hungarians, all of the games that they've had so far have been you know one goal either way as to whether it's been a victory or a defeat for them so they can handle tight games they know how to hang on to leads or they you know they're kind of organized in that way um so i can see the merit in your argument i just can't see it happening dave i just can't see that being a change that the coaching team are willing to willing to make i do we we spoke a lot didn't we at the in the kind of debrief pod about the last set of internationals, about the weaknesses on James's side uh, when he's got kind of defensive duties um, and how he and Davies weren't. And I'm, I think at, at least some of that definitely is they've barely played together. But, you know, there wasn't a partnership kind of building there really where they were understanding one another's play defensively. Um, so I I can see perhaps James not playing, but more uh, that he might put Lawrence out there, you know, same shape, but perhaps swap James out for someone who's got a little bit more uh, defensive acumen to him. No, I can see that. I, uh, 
I don't know. It's so tight to call. And the other thing that goes against my argument, um, which would lend itself more to the starting shape that we've gone for before, um, which would kind of support what, what you've been saying and what Kicks has been doing, is that um, only one of their goals is actually being scored by a striker. All of their other goals have been midfielders and a couple uh, from defenders at corners. So I think their kind of plan of getting players around their big striker and kind of bombing <coughs> on from there is, is quite clear. Um, so I do think maybe the extra runners in midfield would help from that and they're not necessarily going to play with wingers. So the ex, you know James being exposed perhaps on one side is not necessarily the end of the world. I... I just don't think that we historically handle these sorts of games well. <laughs> and I don't think that Giggs has necessarily got the feeling of these sorts of games right so far either. And obviously nothing as big as this, but as a consequence, I do worry that we're going to be kind of too open and too gung-ho. And that's why I'd go, I guess, from for, for what what I've suggested um, but equally if we went with the same formation with Joe Allen coming in I wouldn't be uh, as, as, as the first game I wouldn't be disappointed either um, <laughs> to look at a prediction our least favourite thing I normally I, I hate I love doing this and you hate it but I hate it at the minute because what I'm about to say uh, I really don't want to say um, well let's just not do it Please, can we just not do it? No, because we have to. We do, we're better than this. Dude. We do this every time and we're, we're sticking to it. I'd also like the record to show, if anyone was following me on uh, on Twitter on, Friday, on Sunday, I asked for predictions for the Liverpool-Man City game. I said Liverpool would win 3-1. So I got it right, which never yeah. happens, which is why exactly. I'm now concerned about what I'm about to say. The one time. <laughs> Can't we just chalk that up as the one time and move on? In that case, in that case, what I'm about to say isn't that bad because I'm always wrong, so we'll go for it. So, Ruth. Go. Azerbaijan, score. I just want to say something else first. My fear is that when we've been in the position for qualifying and it's been down to us to grab it, we've not done it. Oh. Like even, even for the Euro 16s, we kind of reversed into our spot, yeah. didn't we, when everybody else fell away. Um, so... I've just had my fingers burned too many times with this, Dave, to be hopeful because I, I just don't ask me to be hopeful because I can't keep doing this. Um, so I've got the horrible feeling we're going to draw the Azerbaijan game and then play wonderfully beautifully against the Hungarians. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... As a side note, listener, I know this is a podcast, so this is not going to work great for you, but I uh, wish you could have just seen us while Ruth was having that. Both of us head in hands listening to Ruth say that then. Oh, this is brutal. Um, I, I think if Bale doesn't play against Azerbaijan, I think we'll draw that. I think if Bale plays, then I do think, God, that I do think we'll win in Azerbaijan. I do. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say two nil Wales. Okay. One one. God, I can't. It's Monday, Ruth. We've got a whole week, <laughs> shitty week yeah, in work of this. I'm be, but I'm better off 
not being hopeful. I'm, it's the, it's the hope is not the problem. It's the, the, the <laughs> constant paranoia, worry, pain, misery. I can't drink anymore in the day because I'm a teacher. Um, okay. I have got a bad feeling about this all. And I know we played better in the last two games, but I just don't think Giggs will make the right decision to win the match. I think we've conceded too many goals, not scored enough. And for him to switch all of that round in the space of four days before a game, I, I just don't see. So, I think we're going to lose to Hungary. Okay. See, I think, ironically, if we draw with Azerbaijan, kind of the pressure's off. I just think we'll be in a better, calmer, ironically, I think for the I'm, Hungarian game. I think I'm right in saying that if we draw against Azerbaijan... We can, oh, we can still qualify. I'm just, I'm doing that. So that would take us, assuming we uh, drew Azerbaijan, that would take us to nine points. Hungary on yep. 12. If we beat them by more than one goal, we yes. would then qualify on the head-to-head. But that is on the assumption that Slovakia win neither game against yeah. Croatia, Croatia, Croatia or ironically Azerbaijan um, but they're playing Azerbaijan in Slovakia so I just can't yeah. see them not I think you've got to assume they're going to take three points from that game yeah. Very, yeah so mathematically a draw against Azerbaijan doesn't end this for us that's the worst thing is it that's what's going to happen isn't it we're going to draw against Azerbaijan think oh my god there's still a chance and then Azerbaijan are going to go one nil up in Slovakia and we're all going to start drinking cans and then it's all going to go absolutely tits up in the last five seconds somehow Paul Bodin mm-hmm. will come back and miss a penalty or score one for us for, for Slovakia or something um from there obviously we'd go to the playoffs um and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole just yet, but I, I, the same feeling in Jaws, if I'm honest. I think, will we do enough to win two games in a row? Probably not. We, By the looks of it, we'll face either Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, or Bosnia, look the most likely, or there are other um, variations as well. I just... I just... I, I, I want to be wrong more than anything, and this is not gigs bashing, which as I don't actually think we've done much of here, but I just don't think we are well-equipped enough at the minute to handle these sorts of games twice and still come through the other side. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, and I'm just dreading Saturday. I never dread Saturdays <laughs> in my life. I'm excited that Wales are playing, but I'm sort of dreading it at the same time. I... Um, I, I don't know about you. The game is, is going to be on at, what, nine o'clock for you in the morning? Uh... I think it's 10, but yeah, early morning. Um, Which is going to be midday for me. So Mm -hmm. I think that is an appropriate time to start drinking. So I'm feeling okay about that. Um, Are you going to have a beer? I don't know. I've got to work out where I can see it yet. Well, I think you might have to. I think it might be one of those days. Um, (laughs) My wife has asked me what we're doing on Saturday. And I was just like, I can only really answer that question at about two o'clock, to be honest. Um, that it could either be a great day of celebration or it could be I'm not drinking the house not leaving the house sorry I'm I'm drinking every ounce of rum we own and uh, and you'll not see me till Monday but uh, there we go it's actually my husband's birthday as well on Saturday so, on Saturday oh, oh, so I've got to work out how I can <laughs> make this into a, a good day for him while I'm like busy not crying in the corner oh sorry Al um 
to to wrap up um, before we just go and talk about uh, the women's game, uh, which is coming up tomorrow. Hopefully, this podcast will go out in time. Um, the women are playing in Northern Ireland in Belfast. Uh, the players flew out today, uh, today being Monday, and a, a big, big game really. Um, Norway, uh, Norway put a, a marker down, winning six 0 in the week again. Their second worst result, I think, or maybe their worst result, in fact, actually is is six nil. Um, I think it's a massive, massive game. I think after the draw in in Newport, I think not losing the game is massive, but I think getting a win is is kind of vital if we if we've got realistic aspirations to qualify. Given Northern Ireland are the fourth ranked team in the group. Um, Game is on BBC Red Button, if anyone uh, in the UK is uh, trying to watch that. Um, so good luck to the girls. Missing, missing Tash Harding from that game, uh, as well as Jess Fishlock, obviously. So it's going to be a tough test. But I am confident, especially after the last performance against Belarus, that we're going to come through and, uh, and get the win from that one. Yeah, I think Sophie Ingle coming back is important. Massive um, Yeah, and... I mean, given how that they will definitely have learnt lessons from what happened in the uh, reciprocal fixture in in Newport, and um, I think it's a game we definitely can win. Uh, and you know, if we can take four points off them across the group, uh, that will be you know will be in a good position, Agreed. ready for the ready for the the break over the winter. They've got a long gap before they're their next games yeah, uh, to in, come through. Yeah, in which time, hopefully, a few more people, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jess included, will kind of recover. Um, yeah. To So, good luck. Sounds uh, like sorry. they might be wearing the new strip. Might be the oh, really? first outing for the new strip, from what I was just reading. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, what do you think of it? That is a great question. And <laughs> if I just scroll through my Twitter mentions very quickly, um, I will find a question about the kit. Um from the 94th minute, uh, they asked, what do we make of the new kit? And are we fans of it? Uh, what, are our fav- what are our favourite Welsh shirts? What are our favourite Welsh shirts of all time? That's quite a tongue twister, actually. Yeah? It's a good job. <laughs> I haven't been drinking at work today. Otherwise, I would be able to say that. Um, do you like it? Um, I'm not convinced. I like the fact that it's clearly had a little bit more thought than the red one from the back of the cupboard, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of what our existing one felt like. Um, I think the fact that it's using the colours it's using, I like that. I'm not a fan of the new badge, I have to be honest, and I think that might be swaying my overall impression of it. Uh, But I like a little bit of yellow in there. I think there's merits in that. It actually in a, somewhat does hark back to, to to the question on Twitter. My favourite one is the Admiral shirt from the mid-70s with the kind of vertical yeah. stripe on it. Um, and it, so, you know, there are aspects of it that sort of echo that. But I just think it looks a bit untidy as a design somehow. I think I, don't, I, mean, I think this is very petty. But I, I'm the same as you. I don't mind the yellow so much. I just feel it's weird that it's the red dragon, which is a slightly different shade of red than the shirt, on a white background with mm-hmm. green embroidery on it. 
it just feels a bit cheap. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of the new badge, especially when the last two have been so great as well. Um, so I do like it, but I, and I'm glad we're not just the one at the back of the cupboard again. But I also think there's something about it that's not right. I feel like if the stripes had been green on the shoulders, even if the sleeves were still yellow, I could, I could maybe go with it a bit more. But I mean, mm-hmm. I am no Gok Wan. But... Um, <laughs> I do kind of like that it goes... I feel like the, the yellow has come from the bucket hat thing. I could be mm-hmm. thinking too much into that, but... Um, yeah, I quite like it. My favourite whale shirt of all time. I was really thinking about this because I don't... I didn't ultimately want to give the stock answer, which was the shirt from the 80s, which was the red Adidas shirt with the white sleeves and the red stripes. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of thought about... I, do, I did really like that Hummel one, the Hummel Away one, which was white with the red Hummel markings on it. Um, yeah. But I think there is something very uh, timeless about that Adidas one with the white, uh, with the white sleeves. Mm-hmm. So I think I would go with that as my all-time favourite whale shirt. Although I will say, actually, uh, closely followed in second, I think, by the one we qualified in in 2008. Uh, 2016, sorry, with the green stripes and the green kind of pinstripes on it, mm-hmm. uh, the white pinstripes. Sorry, I, I thought that was a really great kit. So those are my those are my two faves. I think I can't imagine anyone who's going to respond um, to that Kappa kit we wore when we beat Italy in what was it 2003 <laughs> or something, where no one and you know even even professional footballer John Hartson looked a bit roly poly in that. Um, <laughs> not that John is listening. If you are, John, John, I'm sorry. Um, it was the kit. It was just the kit. It was the kit, yeah. It was a bad cut. I get that all the time, John. Um, I My favourite message of the day, just before we move on, I'm just trying to make sure we go through all the questions, is from Simon Evans, which is at Ev76 on Twitter. Um, I think he might be just as worried uh, about the game as we are. Do we go at Azerbaijan with an attacking formation, or do we sit on the go on the break? How much will we miss Alan? We'll be wearing the new kit for the next two games. Can my heart take it? Can my marriage take another France 2016-style summer next year? I think we've answered most of those questions, uh, Simon. Um, appear is, we can't really help with the last one. No, it appears that we are going to wear the kit. We are definitely going to miss Alan shitloads. No, your heart won't take it, but none of us can. Um, and I agree with Ruth. We don't, we don't, I don't think we can help you on the last question. Um, although I'd imagine there will be people, myself included, having a very similar uh, dilemma um in about 10 days from today if if everything goes well um yes so uh, just one final thing we've not waffled too much and this has only just gone over an hour so i do want to dedicate a few more minutes to uh, one piece of breaking news today um i'm sure many people have seen it and by the time this comes out tomorrow everyone will have that uh neil warnock has left cardiff city um a couple of things first off do you think it was the right time to leave and looking forward who do you think uh, should be in the running to replace him because uh, one last person from Twitter Anthony Evans at CCFC has asked Bellamy or Carl Robinson for the Cardiff job now, I, I think there are, there are a few more contenders than that in my mind but we'll, we'll come back to his specific question in a sec um, first off do you think it was the right time to leave Yes. Um, I think, ironically, once he announced that this was his last season, I think that actually makes it quite difficult then, doesn't it? Because you're, uh, it's very natural to get a little sort of 
uh, I don't say demob happy isn't quite the expression I'm looking for, but I can't think of a better one where you, you're just not quite as focused. Um, and I think he has had obviously overall a very positive impact on the club where you're considering where they were, where they went to, where they are at the minute. It's broadly speaking, it's been a very positive three years. I think the events of last season, particularly um, both from navigating a relegation, uh, but also what happened with Salah, I think, I just don't think his heart's been in it since then. And I think he has succeeded as a manager because he's clearly passionate and cares about what he's doing. And I think in a strange way, there was some sort of some very obvious soul-searching and some priority shifting for him through that period. And I think he's reached a point perfectly understandably where he just wants a different priority from football. Yeah, I think the Salah thing has had a big, big, big impact on him. And I remember him saying at the time that was being his worst thing, his worst week in his career. Um and I think you're right. I think I wouldn't say his heart wasn't in it anymore, but I think you're right in that it certainly shifted his priorities. Mm. And I think as a consequence, he might be subconsciously have been slightly less dedicated this year because he was focusing on things elsewhere, which I think is understandable, both given the circumstances and as a as a 70 year old um, mm-hmm. still working in that world. Um, it was definitely the right time to leave, in my opinion. I think I watched Cardiff, I think four times this year. Um, and it's, they're, they're a hard team to watch. The style, you can let go sometimes if you're getting results, but they weren't. Um, and having watched the Bristol game on the weekend, I thought they were the dominant team in terms of using the ball and having the ball, but did nothing with it. And I felt like the plan was, let's hope someone puts it in the top bins from... 30 yards and if that doesn't work we sort of haven't got anything and if you look at some of the players that are, that are there trying to score goals like Bogle I think they said has scored one goal in two years or something um, you know those sort of things are just never never going to help and they need to be coached properly for that to improve and I just don't think he's that type of manager um, mm-hmm. so I think it was definitely the right time to go I thought the way they played the last couple of games and I watched the Swansea game as well they were very poor Um in that one as well. I do think it's worth remembering that he, I think he should go down as, even though he's only been the manager for a short time as a, as a legend at, at Cardiff City. And I'm sure many more Cardiff fans think the same. Um, he basically stopped them getting relegated to League One, which would have been an absolute disaster. And in the process, the year after got them got them promoted, um, which was nothing short of a miracle. Um, and I think he deserves huge credit for that. The players clearly loved him. Um, and I think maybe he's brought in players who don't kind of buy into things in the same way and that has made things untenable for him, I guess. But he does deserve massive credit for from Cardiff fans, I think. And, and I'm sure they will give him that credit. And I think he... I, I was trying to kind of make a comparison and the one I came out with, relatively speaking, in a, in a way was Kevin Keegan and Newcastle because... Kevin Keegan keeping Newcastle up um, on the last day of the season years ago against Leicester, 
he Warnock has done the same sort of thing. Keegan transformed the club from there, and to an extent, Warnock has done the same. He kind of breathed new life into the place that was kind of bumbling along a bit and kind of made fans believe him a little bit again. And and I think for all his downsides, I think the thing that he brought back to Cardiff City and the way he navigated everything with Salah and everything was just about hope, really, and made people enjoy going to the football again. So I think he should uh, he should be really be given a positive uh, reception and have, you know, positive memories left behind, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully he can have that. Hopefully there's going to be some, you know, later in the season, but hopefully some sort of um, opportunity for people to show that appreciation as well. I think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up kind of moving upstairs a little bit somewhere along, the, maybe not immediately, but somewhere along the line. Um of the people who are, are being mentioned to, to to replace him, the interesting ones for me are Nathan Jones, obviously, who's just left Stoke, um, Flinney at Newport, uh, and as our tweeter uh, suggested, Bellamy or uh, Carl Robinson. Have you got any any thoughts on any of those or, or anyone else you want to bring to the table? Well, I noticed that um, Neil... Uh, Neil Harris seems to be favourite with the bookies. Um, obviously, used to play for them. Um, so, that you know, that might be... Someone like Chris Hewton might be an option. Um, of the list that you mentioned, I'd, I'd go with Carl Robinson off, off that list. But I think they're more likely to go for an established kind of championship level manager um so i think the fact that the bookies seem to have neil harry's as the favorite might not be such a uh such a bad uh, a bad shout actually yeah i think harris is an interesting one because he he's obviously got experience um mm-hmm. And I think the sort of kind of attitude that he has, the backs to the walls, that's against the world type yeah. thing would, would kind of suit. Um, I don't know. I, I, Ernie has been mentioned because he's just left his job at, in Fresno. Um, mm-hmm. He said ready for the next challenge. So maybe this was in the works the whole time and, uh, uh, and Ernie is going gonna, is gonna to get the job there. I think that would be very much a... An emotional decision, perhaps. Yeah, I'd, a football I'd, one. I'd I'd like to see him as someone's assistant there, actually, because uh, I think as as a as you kind of right hand man liaison to the players, the buffer kind of guy that a lot of assistant managers roles they play. I think Ernie might be really good at that, um, and it would also give him an opportunity to get established at a. Uh, you know, at a side, no disrespect to Fresno, but, you know, it's a different level of organisation. So I would, part of me wouldn't want to see him jump at that, actually. I think it might be a hiding for nothing in the short term for him. Whereas I think, uh, yeah, perhaps more of as an assistant manager type role. I agree. I think that'd be good uh, for him and a good long-term kind of bit of planning for the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see Bellamy getting it after everything that happened, the bullying no. thing, and I don't see him going and then coming back. No. If he was going to get that job, it was when they gave it to to Warnock or even at the end of uh, last season. So I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that ship has sailed. 
in the short term at least. Um, if it were me, I've, I've seen that the former Middlesbrough boss, Aitor Karanka, is up there as well. I think that wouldn't be a bad appointment. Um, if it were me, I would go for either Hewton or Nathan Jones. I think mm-hmm. Nathan Jones is a bit of a gamble, but I think he's a Welshman. I think he's a very, very, very good coach who would be able to turn things around. I don't think the situation is is as bad as it is at Stoke in terms of there's obviously something deeply, deeply wrong at the club there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's the same at Cardiff City. I think there's um, definite room for improvement and there's definitely enough players there. And I'd, I'd say there's even probably a budget going to be there in January as well. So I think he has got to, he has got to be up there because I think he's got a bright, bright future. Um and for me, I think Chris Hewton is just such an underrated manager. I think he's really, really effective, uh, especially in the championship. He's organised. He can get teams playing good football. I don't think it cost him. A, I don't think it cost them a fortune. But even if it did, I think they they should go out and do it anyway. He's proven himself in the Premier League. He's proven he can get teams promoted. I don't know why anyone would not want to give Chris Hewton um, that job. So if it were me, I would go for Chris Hewton every day of the week. I can't disagree with that. And I th- I think also as well, there may be some other... I mean, it, this won't be the first change of manager during this international break. So there may be some people, you know, some hot seats being switched around uh, further than that. But um, I agree with you. I, it just doesn't make sense that we've got this deep into the season without having a, a role somewhere. Yeah, so he he would be the person uh, I, would, I would go for. But... Um, there we go. I think uh, we have waffled enough for, for one episode. Um, we will be doing a follow-up pod to this uh, after the two games and after the women's game. Obviously, we'll be talking about all three. We uh, will obviously continue to keep tabs on the Cardiff City situation. If you follow us on Twitter, which is at Coleman's underscore dream, uh, you can find out more about us there. Follow us on Facebook. Um, just one last plug as well. We did a pod uh, with our friend uh, Stuart recently on racism in football um, please go back and have a listen to that it's a really interesting chat I think about different experiences different people have had but also different um, viewpoints on how to combat racism in football um, so in your, if you're flying to Baku and uh, traveling via 13 different countries then that is a perfect way to uh, to while away the hours so anyway I am now waffling so thank you very much for listening everybody um, thank you for joining us Ruth um, as ever okay right I'm just sitting here with my fingers crossed and going to spend the next week and a bit worrying sounds about standard um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh, thank you for <laughs> listening goodbye good luck Wales and uh, everything's crossed thank you for listening goodbye bye